that have been around me for any length of time at all know that I have a whole big long list of pet peeves. There are a lot of things that sometimes I think they just invented to irritate me and they do a really good job of it. But uh, uh, most of them are not really all that serious a thing. Uh, as of uh, the last few years though, one of the things that has uh, it doesn't so much irritate me as it makes me really nervous and that's when you're driving down the road and somebody's coming the opposite direction and you look and they're like this while they're driving uh, that's scary uh, sometimes you see them not entirely staying on their own side of the road uh, we were on our way to our uh, our youngest daughter's house one time we we're going down 840 and uh, by the time we got there, I thought, we've almost been hit three times by people that are messing with their phone while they're trying to drive. And most people have probably seen the, uh, uh, the security camera footage in some uh, uh, shopping mall somewhere. Uh, there's this lady, she's walking right down the middle of the aisle, uh, playing with her phone, and she ends up right in the fountain. Didn't even know it was there. Tripped over it, there she went. Uh, and that, that is one of the really big issues. There are some things that it really doesn't pay or it really doesn't make that much of a, a difference if you're paying attention or not. You know, some people are, are really good uh, at multitasking. Uh, there are some things that I've seen Marcia do that I thought, boy, there is no way in the world I would try that. Uh, because if I tried to multitask, I always ended up messing something up or forgetting something. Uh, so it, for me, it may not be a, a really good idea, but it's not for a lot of people, and especially when you're doing something that can be dangerous. Uh, you know, if you work around uh, uh, power tools, uh, woodworking tools, or uh, I've spent a lot of my uh, life in machine shops, and there were some of those things, if you were not paying attention, you were going to get hurt, and hurt bad sometimes. So you had to watch what you were doing. Uh, and driving, you know, you may hurt not only yourself and your passengers, but you can hurt or kill other people because you're not paying attention. Uh, they talk about distracted driving uh, a lot. Now, I've seen some, uh, some studies that they've done, and they say that distracted driving is at least as bad as drunk driving. You know, most people, uh, if, they, if they have any sense at all, would not want to get in the car with a drunk and let him drive because you'd be thinking the whole time I don't know if we're going to get there or not I don't know if I'm going to live through this experience or not well distracted drivers are just as bad uh, and that has to do with whether they're they're playing with their their cell phone uh, or talking to other people in the car especially younger folks you know if you've just got your driver's license you you have to pay attention because you don't have the reflexes already programmed in uh, to tell you what to do. You have to think about it. And uh, if you're busy talking to somebody, especially somebody in the back seat, uh, you can be in a lot of trouble before you know it. You get distracted, you're not paying attention, you do something wrong. Uh, and one of the problems that we have when you're talking about uh, religiously uh, being distracted is a lot of people are exactly that. Uh, life is a busy place. There are a lot of things going on all the time. 
and it, it, it is almost impossible uh, for us not to get distracted. Uh, over in uh, Luke chapter 8, uh, Jesus is explaining the parable of the sower. Uh, oftentimes we refer to it as the, uh, the parable of the soils, which I think really is a good way to look at it because that really is what the, the parable centers around. It's not centered around the sower. It's not centered around the seed that he's sowing. It's centered around the condition of the soils uh, that take the seed. But in uh, Luke chapter 8 and verse 11, he says, Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and they have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are, are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word, with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Now, the, the soil uh, that we're most interested in right now is verse 14. He said, the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. And that is a really, really good description of the way many people are. Now, when, when, you, when you look at what Jesus says there, he's not talking about bad people. These are good people. And he's not saying that they didn't get good seed. They did. All of them did. And he's not saying that the seed didn't sprout because it did. The problem with it is, is that it never bore fruit. They were never doing the things that Christians should be doing. And the reason that they didn't is because they had too many other things that kept their attention. And it's not just bad things. It's bad things and good things. It cares, riches, and pleasures of life. So it's good things and it's bad things. And they get so occupied with these things that they don't have any time left for God. They don't have any time left to uh, uh, encourage their, their friends or coworkers to be religious. They don't have any time left uh, to make sure that their family is growing up with a good knowledge of the Bible. As a matter of fact, you know, they don't have that much of a knowledge of it themselves because they're too busy to be there. Distraction is a, a real problem. And it, it's one of those, you know, it's, it's not about being bad people. Uh, one of the things that you've got to realize is some people are not what they ought to be, not because they're bad, not because they have bad intentions. They don't go out of their way to commit sin. They're good people. They're good-hearted people. It's just they're so distracted with all of these other things that are going on, they don't have any time left. They don't have any, any mental time left to think about God and what he wants us to do. And it's really, really important that that, that be our first priority. You know, if, if we're so distracted by all of these, you know, odds and ends kind of things that are going on, that we don't have any time to think about the most important thing in life, which is getting us from this earth to heaven, then, you know, it's not going to end well. And one of the problems that we have 
if uh, if we do not take care of our, our own uh, uh, spiritual uh, place, our own spiritual education, how can we help anybody else? Well, I was talking to somebody one day, and, and he said something along the lines of, well, it, it, it sounds like, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to come first. I'm supposed to be the first thing. I'm supposed to be the first priority. And I said, that's exactly right. I said, and it's not being selfish either. Because if you're not spiritually what you ought to be, how are you going to help somebody else to be spiritually what they ought to be? You can't. It's just not going to work. What we do as Christians, the life that we live has an influence on other people. And we can't avoid it. There is no place that you can go where you're not going to have an influence on other people. And it's either going to be a good influence or it's going to be a bad influence. And which one it is is going to primarily be up to you. Uh, I've told you this story before, I know, but there was a guy that I worked with a lot of years ago. And uh, I, I worked late shift. Uh, him and some other guys were working the early shift. And uh, I came in one day, and they, they had a, a cassette player uh, up there, and it was playing a cappella religious music. And I thought, wow, knowing these guys, that's kind of odd. And uh, one guy said, yeah, that's, that's me uh, leading singing. And it was at a congregation of the Lord's Church. And I'm like, okay. What's the punchline? I'm a naturally suspicious person, and I knew this was a joke. And if I said anything, they were going to spring it on me. So I'm just, okay, you know, I'm, I'm just going to wait. I'm not going to say anything. After a while, you know, he's, he's going to decide, oh, I'm going to have to go ahead and do it because he's not going to go along with it. But he didn't. He didn't say anything else about it. And I thought, I know that's got to be a joke. And later on, I found out, no, it was not that that was really him leading singing at a congregation of the Lord's Church. And the reason that that shocked me so much is because I heard the way the guy talked all week long. I heard the kind of things he talked about and the, the people that he talked about. And uh, as my mother used to say, I mean, he cussed like a drunken sailor constantly. You know, I'd spent time in, in, in the Army, and I'd heard just about everything. Uh, and this guy had heard it all, too, and would repeat it back. And it's like, okay, this guy is supposed to be a Christian. He's like this everywhere. You know, is he, is he going to encourage anybody to become a Christian? They're going to say, I, I can be a better Christian than that and never leave my house. And they would have been right. So we have an influence, and we need to, to pay some attention to what kind of influence it is that we have. And if we're letting all these little things in life distract us to the point that we're not doing what we should do, it's not going to be a, a good thing. It's not going to end well for us. Over in uh, uh, Luke chapter 10, uh, you have a, uh, uh, an occasion uh, beginning there in verse 38. It says, it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted. She was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And that, to most of us, would seem like that, that is the most appropriate thing in the world to do. 
You've got, you've got both of them, Mary and Martha, are in the house, and one of them is leaving her sister to do all the work. I don't know about you, but, you know, in most uh, situations, if I was in a, a place like that, it'd kind of irritate me. You know, well, when are you going to do your part? You know, give me a hand. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. You're distracted, you're worried, you're troubled, and that's taken up all of your attention. That's taken up all of your time. And you don't realize that, okay, yeah, serving your guests would be a good thing. And not a thing in the world wrong with that. But at this particular point in time, there's something better that you need to do. There was a, a guy I knew once upon a time that had a real gift for a memorable turn of phrase. And uh, one of the things that he said that I have remembered, and I don't know how many years it's been now, but it's been quite a few, that he said, good things become bad things when they keep us from better things. And that's true. That is absolutely true. We can, we can uh, choose to spend our time on things that are good in and of themselves, but if they keep us from services of the Lord's church, or doing other things that God requires us to do, yeah, what we're doing is good, but that would have been a whole lot better to do. You do the needful things, and then the other things will more or less take care of themselves. You know, from time to time, we, we run into these situations where, uh, you know, we've got, we've got too many things going on. There are too many things that really need our attention. We've got to do something about some of these things. And then, you know, we worry about, well, what am I supposed to do? I need to do this and this and this and that and something else. And I don't have that many hours in the day. I don't have the time. I don't have the resources. You know, I, I can't do it all. Well, what you do is you pick out the one thing that is most important, and you do that. And if the rest of it doesn't get done, well, evidently it didn't need to get done as much as you thought it did. You take care of the things that are absolutely essential first, and then if you have time, you go and take care of something else. But you take care of the needed things first. And if we do that, pretty much, you know, we'll make it through life without too many problems. Because we will find out that a lot of the things that we were worried about, a lot of the things that were occupying our mind and taking up a lot of our mental energy were not as important as we thought. You know, it's like, uh, you hear from time to time somebody will say most of the things that people worry about never happen. And if you're worried about it and it never happened, then you wasted a lot of your time worrying about it. And if you're going to worry about it, try to do something about it. And if you can't do anything about it, then just forget about it. If it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. There's nothing you can do anyway. Do what's needed and then worry about the rest later. And what happens... And primarily, what we're looking at is what happens to Christians. Because we are as subject to all of these distractions as anybody else. I mean, most of them, they don't care if they are not going to uh, services. They don't care if they're not there for worship or something like that. It doesn't bother them. But for us, it, it, it's a real issue. And what we have to realize is that 
once we start doing that, when you start spending your time worrying about other things, your mind is occupied with all of these other things, you know, that can get to be a habit. And you'll continue to think about that, and you're thinking about the, the church less and less. You're thinking about uh, doing what God wants you to do less and less. It, it occupies less and less of your time. And, and that, that process continues uh, until eventually you get to the point where it doesn't bother you at all anymore. Uh, you know, you go in, in, over into Hebrews chapter 6 and Hebrews chapter 10, and that's exactly the kind of thing that the Hebrew writer's talking about. Uh, when he says, you know, there comes a time when it's impossible to bring them back. But in, in Hebrews chapter 2, in verse 1, he says, Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Now, that is a really interesting turn of phrase. We have to pay the more earnest heed. You're not listening just because you think you have to. Uh, you're not listening because you think somebody's going to give you a quiz on it later. When he talks about paying the more earnest heed, you're looking at this honestly. You're looking at this earnestly. You're looking at this because it's important to you. And you're going to pay the more earnest heed. You're going to look into God's word and really start digging to see what God wants you to do. He says we need to do that. Why? Because if we don't, we drift away. And that is a really, really good way to put it. Nobody gets up one morning and says, you know, I've been a faithful Christian for 20 years now. I, I think I'm going to live for the devil the rest of my life. And then go out and start doing everything bad they can think of. Nobody does that. You know, nobody in their right mind at least. But what does happen is we get busy with things. We've got, you know, too many things going on. I've got to take care of this and that and something else. And, you know, we're thinking about, about God, about God's word, about the church less and less. Uh, and then we start to, well, you know, I, I can't make it to services this Wednesday because I've got this other thing that I've got to take care of. I, I've been meaning to do this, and I haven't been able to, and, and Wednesday night's the first chance I'm going to have. Now, there are things that happen to us from time to time when we can't be here. As much as we would like to, we can't. But when you start making excuses, well, I have to do this, so I'm going to do that, and I'm not going to be there. When you start finding ways to justify it to yourself, you, you need to stop and kind of re-examine things a little bit because it gets worse and worse once you start if you don't stop it will just get worse you start down the slope and the farther down the slope you go the faster you'll go but he says we can drift away for if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast in every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect? Neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. He says we drift and we neglect. You know, you think about that. It's not somebody that's doing something mean. They're not trying to be a bad person on purpose. They're just not paying attention. They're drifting. They're distracted. And that's one of those things. Sometimes it can happen to you before you even realize that it has. 
you get distracted and, and the next thing you know it's like wow when was the last time I went to services when was the last time I made it there for a, uh, a Wednesday night Bible study or you know Sunday morning Bible study when was the last time I, I didn't realize I'd missed that much we drift and we neglect and that uh, again is one of those things that can end up being an extremely bad thing it's it, it's hard to get over and, and the Hebrew writer, when he says that, there in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 2, is talking to people who are on the verge of being exactly like that. Uh, over in uh, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, he says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. He said, you ought to be teachers by now. Now, sometimes people think, well, you know, no, we have uh, Bible class teachers for that. You know, we've, we've got a preacher who's supposed to be doing that. No, we're all supposed to be teachers, every one of us. Because if, if, if we go out somewhere and uh, somebody uh, finds out that we're a member of the Lord's church, they belong to a denominational church, and they come and ask you some questions about the Lord's church, well, why do you do this and not that? You know, what are you going to do? Tell them, well, I'm sorry, I can't answer that question. You'll need to show up and ask my Bible class teacher someday. No, learn enough about it that you can teach them. And that was one of the things that I found out uh, fairly quickly. The, the machine shop where I worked, uh, they had a lot of religious people in there. Now, it wasn't a big, huge place, but still, there were quite a few guys. And to, for the most part, they were religious. They were not members of the Lord's Church, though. But when, I found, when they found out that I was, they were curious. You would not believe some of the things that are said about the Lord's Church out there. And, uh, but they would come and ask questions. And when they found out I did not mind questions, you know, oh, great, you know, he doesn't mind talking about that. Great, I've wondered about this for a long time. I'm going to go ask him. He's not going to get mad about it. And one of the things that was great about these guys is you could be walking uh, down through the, the shop and you could stop and ask one of the guys, hey, can I borrow your Bible for a second? The guy would open up the top of his toolbox, pull a Bible out, and hand it to you. And that was an unusual place. But they would ask questions, and you have to tell them something. I learned more about premillennialism by teaching somebody else than I had ever thought there was to know. Because we did this for months at work. You know, he'd ask me something, and I'd, I, don't, I don't know that. I'll go in, I'll go look it up, and I'll find it, and then, you know, I'll, I'll tell you. And then, oh, okay, yeah, I see that. Well, what about this then? And I was studying on premillennialism for months learned a lot about it so you know sometimes you do you're going to learn more by teaching than you ever did sitting in a class but these people that the Hebrew writer is talking about were people that should have been teaching someone else by this time but they weren't why weren't they because they were going backwards they had started down that slope they weren't paying enough attention they weren't learning what they ought to have learned and they were just going downhill and it's one of those things, if it goes on long enough, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 4, it is impossible 
For those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have, have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. He says you better be careful if you start going backwards because there will come a time, if you don't stop it, there will come a time you cannot get back because it will either become something that just is not important enough for you to put out the effort anymore or you just don't care. You know, Paul talked about those who have their conscience seared with a hot iron. There are some people who don't care. They don't really have any concern for anything or anybody. They don't care. And it can happen if you're not watching what you're doing. Now that uh, uh, passage in Psalm 119, uh, Brother John read for us a little bit ago, that is, is one, you know, th there are some of these things, that the Bible is an amazing book, and, and for a lot of reasons. Uh, but one of the things that I really, really like is some of these uh, turns of phrase that you find. And I mean, th they are just so memorable. They stick in your mind. Uh, and, and it's great, you know, you have that and you have it stuck in your mind and it's there and it's available for you anytime you need to use it. But in, uh, in Psalm 119 and verse 37, th this is the New King James uh, rendering of it. It says, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. Is that not great? Turn my eyes away from looking at worthless things. And what he's talking about is we spend way too much of our time paying attention, being distracted by worthless things. Now, not worthless the way the world would think about them. The world would think these things are really valuable. These are great things. You know, I would love to have these things because then everybody would think I was rich. Uh, and like I said about lotteries, you know, most of the time there, there, there's an outfit that uh, helps people tend their money. Uh, and they, they deal with a lot of really, really rich people. And he said one, one of the absolute truisms uh, in that business is if somebody comes into a lot of money suddenly, he says five years. In five years, either the money is gone or the person's gone. And he said you can almost bet on it. So, you know, people who get a lot of money really quick don't tend to handle it well. But he says, I don't want to spend my time looking at worthless things, things that really, in, in the, the, the grand scale of things, don't matter that much. I mean, it, it's one of those things. If, if somebody said that they would give you a brand spanking new Rolls Royce Silver Ghost that's worth a ton of money, or you get a ticket to go to heaven, which one would you pick? I'd go to heaven because that car is going to be here and rust into a pile of junk eventually, and it's not going to matter a bit. Heaven's eternal. That's the thing that's most important. But he wants, him, he wants God to turn his eyes away from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Make sure that I pay attention to the things that are most important in this life. Now, material things are fine. You know, every, everybody likes to have... Uh, things we all do and it's not a bad thing in and of itself it's just one of those things that has to be kept uh, you know under control you have to have the right attitude toward it 
Uh, and that's one of the things the Apostle Paul talked about. Christians don't have to be poor, but they have to have the right attitude toward money. Money is a tool. Money is a means to an end. It's something that you can use to bring about good things in other people's lives or in your life if you use it properly. It's not something to be hoarded away like you're going to get to take it with you because you are not. Uh, but the Apostle Paul was talking about these kind of people over, over in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6. He said, now godliness with contentment is great gain. If you want to be a rich person, be a godly person who is content with what you have. As long as you have the necessities of life, you are doing well. Because there are a lot of people out there that don't have them. If you have enough food, you have clothing, you have shelter, you're in great shape. Be a godly person. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. You don't get to take it with you. And, uh, you know, Ecclesiastes is a wonderful book to read as long as you keep uh, the, the central meaning of it in mind. A lot of people look at Ecclesiastes and they say, that is one of the most depressing books I have ever read in my life. And it is not. But what it does, it tells you you need to have your mind on proper things. Solomon said that, that he put his hand to everything he could think of. And he was a person who had the position, he had the power, and he had the wealth to do it. Anything that he wanted, he could have. Nothing was too expensive for him. And he said he tried it all. And what was it? Vanity and vexation of the spirit. I spent all my time earning all of this, and what am I going to do? I'm going to leave it to the man that comes behind me. And who knows if he's going to be a wise man or a fool. Is he going to take care of all of this that I gained throughout my lifetime, or is he going to just blow it all? He said, you have no control over it then. So it's kind of silly spending your whole life building it up when it's all going to be gone someday. <clears throat> but Paul said, we brought nothing into this world. It's certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into a temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money. One of the most uh, uh, misquoted uh, scriptures that you're going to find money is not the root of all evil it's the love of money that is for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows and he says but you O man of God flee these things run away from them later in verse 17 he says command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Use the money properly. Now, one of the things that you do have to be careful about is, well, he said that, you know, those who are rich in this present age, he's not talking about me, he's talking about rich people. No, he's talking about you. you know, one, the average American has more than about 90% of the world's population. That's us. You know, we don't have to worry about where our next meal's coming from. You know, we don't have to worry about keeping a roof over our head, most of us. 
Now, most people would in this country would not consider us to be rich, but most of the people in the world would because we have all that we want and more. So he's talking about us. We need to have the proper attitude toward those things that God has given us, and it all belongs to him. But we have to be very, very careful to make sure that we keep things in proper perspective, uh, especially when it comes to dealing with things uh, of a religious nature. Don't let things of the world distract you to the point that you don't do what you're supposed to do. Over in Second uh, Peter chapter 1, Peter says, <coughs> beginning in verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence. Now, he's saying you need to work at this really, really hard. Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what was it that Jesus said in, in Luke 8, 14 about the, uh, uh, the soil with the thorns in it? The seed sprang up, but it brought no fruit to maturity. It was not bearing fruit like it was supposed to be. And Peter here says that if we will add these things to our lives and if we'll do it diligently, then we'll be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, push out all of the thorns, put these things in. We need to do that. Be the kind of people that God wants us to be. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. He's short-sighted even to blindness. What Peter is talking about is a person that can't see anything out there. My eyes were always uh, really, really good. Uh, and then I started losing my up-close vision. I used to tell people that uh, machinists all carry these little six-inch uh, scales, little rulers, and uh, they're, they're graduated, at least one part of them, in 64ths of an inch. That's about 15 thousandths of an inch. And used to, I, my eyes were good enough. If I had sharp edges, I could put something on there, and I could tell you what size that was, plus or minus seven thousandths of an inch. And now I can't see the ruler. Stuff that's out there a little ways, I can still see, but none of the close-up stuff. Peter's talking about people that are exactly the opposite. They can see really well what's right there in front of them. But if it's out there a little distance, they can't see it. They are essentially, for all uh, intents and purposes, blind. And what he means by that is they can see what is in front of them right now. All of these worldly things, they can see that. But it's taking up so much of their vision that they can't see the spiritual things. They're paying no attention to what God wants them to do, uh, what God wants them to be, or where their ultimate uh, habitation is going to be. They're so busy looking at all this up-close stuff that they can't see anything else. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he says that, that because of that, he was never going to be negligent to remind him of these things. He says, you already know them, but I'm going to tell them to you, and then I'm going to tell them to you again, and I'm going to make sure that even after I'm dead that somebody's going to be there to tell them to you. 
said, I'm going to make sure you hear this over and over and over again because I don't want you to forget it because if you forget it, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to start doing the things that you shouldn't be doing. You're going to let worldly things take your attention. You're going to be distracted. And being distracted means you're not paying attention to the things that are most important. Everything in this world is going to be destroyed someday. You know, if, if we live long enough, we might see it. If not, well, it's still going to happen. We just won't be here to see it. But we need to pay attention to the things that are permanent, the things that are eternal, and not worry so much about the things that are temporary. Temporary is going to be gone. You know, don't, don't worry about it so much. It's, it's going to serve its purpose, and away it goes. Worry about the things that are eternal in nature. Don't be distracted. It may be that there's someone here this morning that's not a Christian. If that be the case, you could come forward this morning confessing your faith in Jesus as the Son of God, and you could be baptized, have your sins washed away. Or perhaps you're an erring child of God. You've done something that has separated you from God. If that be the case, then you need to go to God in prayer. Confess your sin to him from a repentant heart and ask him to forgive you, and he's promised to do that. Or perhaps you just need to come forward and ask for the prayers of those saints that are gathered here for some other reason. Whatever your need is, we ask that you come forward and make it known while together we stand and sing.